0: Coming together on the full moon night marks the uh, period we've come into the rains for one month now. So it's a good point to review our own practice. see if our mind has changed much, the way we think, the way we look at our practice since the first day of Vasa. <coughs> if we've made any resolutions, determinations to practice in a certain way through the Vasa, can review whether our determination is still there, whether we've kept up certain practices and good habits we might have decided on or not. Much of our practice and training is development of good habits, habitual good karma, ajina karma. learning to bring up effort and energy in the practice, mindfulness, learning to contemplate the teachings more, bring them into our own jitta. A lot of it is repeated practice, but we also have to look at the underlying attitudes and what lies behind our motivation for the practice. Because that can fluctuate and then our actions and mental states fluctuate as well. Obviously our practice is about developing the Eightfold Path realizing the four noble truths. That's something we have to keep developing, putting effort into reflecting on the way we think, the way we view things, reflect on our sealer and our external behavior and then on our internal mental behavior and then look at the truth of the way things are As the Buddha pointed out to Venerable Subhata at the end of his life when he was about to attain Parinibbana, Subhata was the last bhikkhu to become enlightened listening to the Buddha and the question whether other teachers of the day were enlightened or not. And the Buddha said, that's the wrong question. Turned him back to look at his own practice, see whether he's practicing in line with the Eightfold Noble Path, developing Sila Samatipanya. He said, As long as people develop the Eightfold, Eight Factors of the Noble Path, then the world will not be empty of Aryapukalas, Sodapana, Sakatagami, Anagami, Arahants. If people are practicing in a way that's not bringing up the Eightfold Path or developing the factors of the path, then they won't attain nubana, they won't end suffering. But if they do sincerely practice to develop those factors, then the end of suffering is possible. It can take us beyond our normal attachment to the world based on delusion to transcend the world the Lokutara Dhammas. It's the aim of the path. Ajahn Chah always emphasized the apanāka patipatā, the practices that are never wrong. The flavor of one who is training to develop sīla Samadhi Panya. These three practices, like Indriya Samvara, yeah. sense restraint, Ojani Matanyuta moderation in consumption of food. Chakarianu Yoka dedication to developing persistent effort and wakefulness in the practice. And Jin Chao very good at directing us to see what needs to be done to bring us to the end of suffering, to understand suffering and bring us to the end of suffering. I used to say when people had those sort of questions, what's the quick way to enlightenment? It's always, well, just let go. Let go of all your upadana, all your attachment. (coughs) And these are panaka patipatara, the tools of that how to let go of attachments. And the more effort we put in, well, maybe, the quicker it will be done. Learning to have sense restraint and then mindfulness with sense contact, the most direct way to break the cycle of dhanha and upadana that arises daily, momentarily through our lives. To have enough mindfulness to be Mindful of seeing the eyes, forms, sense consciousness arise. The seeing arises, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, cognizing with the mind itself. Have enough mindfulness, enough restraint to do that. And then to allow seeing to just take place as seeing. Hearing is just hearing. Whatever Vajana arises with the sense contact is just that much. A pleasant experience, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor none, or unpleasant. Because is the root of our, the root cause of our suffering. It's the proliferation that sense contact causes the perceptions we cling on to, hold on to, uh, the craving, the proliferation arises out of the sense contact, delighting in or averse to the world through our senses, This is where the world is experienced. So the more sense restraint we have, the more mindfulness at sense contact, the more chance to transcend the world, go beyond the world. The more chance to overcome kilesa, this condition by this sense contact, without mindfulness, without wisdom, and we keep falling, keep falling into greed, hatred and delusion through our sense contact. Sometimes Lumpur Chow would say we, what we're practicing is we attach but we don't attach firmly to our experience. We cling, we don't cling firmly. <coughs> A subtlety of practicing attachment and non-attachment. The words in Thai are yut man, tu man. The reason we suffer is because when sense contact arises, the pleasure or the aversion, we cling on, and it proliferates and conditions the mind, so it becomes a certain way, It has a certain energy or force. But you have sense contact taking place all the time. It's that firm attachment, firm clinging is where the problem is. In other words, they use it, samkan manmai, or manmai man. It means firmly clinging to the perception of giving importance in your mind to the perception of liking and disliking might even say the indulgence in it. It's just the firm clinging on to experience and the weight and, uh, and the perceptions that arise through sense contact. If there's no clinging, then there's still pleasure experienced through the senses. There's still pain experienced. But that's all it is, it's just that much a pleasurable sensation, an unpleasant sensation, arises and passes away. So seeing is just seeing, hearing is just hearing, and so on. Over and over again, in different ways, Ampocha would talk about this as the focal point of our practice, in developing the equanimity and the mindfulness around this sense contact. If you really want the quick way to enlightenment, well, it's dropping it, dropping the attachment right there. Not clinging on, firmly holding, or tightly holding on to that pleasure or that pain. So pleasure is just pleasure. Pain is just pain. Happiness is just happiness. Suffering is just suffering. Their experiences, so there you could say there's some attachment there, in the sense they arise, they're there, but then there's no firmly clinging onto it. I just drop them again. So literally, if mindfulness is strong, wisdom is functioning, then it's just knowing with a, you might say, a pure awareness, a pure state of mind, knowing that experience. It's pleasurable it's not. The ears hear sound. It's pleasant. But then we drop it. It's just a pleasant sound. You hear an unpleasant sound. But then the mind drops it. This is a practice we're developing over and over again. So indriya Sangwara. We have to learn how to bring mindfulness up to the senses, training mindfulness in our meditation, in posture, different areas, different ways we train in mindfulness, but then apply it to the sense contact. So hearing is just hearing, tasting is just tasting. Obviously moderation in food and consumption of the requisites is also supportive of this practice. If we're constantly seeking more and different things, varied things and following our preferences, then very hard to establish sense restraint and then mindfulness of sense contact. If we practice moderation, and mm-hmm. develop that sense of contentment with what, whatever comes our way. Then already we're on the way to letting go of this clinging and attachment that the mind keeps forming around the requisites, particularly food, this is why we eat in a bowl, this is why we practice Binda Bhata. we don't cook or store food or specify foods. whatever comes, it's good enough and we learn to eat just the right amount to keep the body going and healthy but not to indulge. We reflect, you know, we eat food. What is food? It's the four elements. Dhatu. They're without <clears> owner, <throat> oh no, they're not a self, a being, a person, us uh, so or them. Just four elements. Nutrition in different forms. It doesn't even stay pleasant for very long. As soon as it enters the body, it becomes foul. Nobody eats vomit nobody eats food mixed with spittle anymore as soon as it enters the body then it becomes a totally different thing and nobody wants it so just reflecting wisely like that brings out mindfulness brings up restraint brings up moderation in the way you use the food it's going away against the stream of the world which is world based on consumer society always looking for more and different things constantly embellishing creating proliferating around food and the other necessities of life so they're no longer seen just as necessities but they become a whole world in themselves whole creations in themselves Jhakarayanu Yoga, just constantly developing wakefulness, mindfulness, awake, wakefulness, bringing the mind to mindfulness and wisdom in the present moment. Just keep persistently working with that. Whatever moments of mindfulness we establish our little victories, little victories over the maras of the practice, the obstacles. We have so many obstacles to deal with, the only way to do it is to keep bringing up mindfulness. We have kanda mara, the mara, the obstacles are just these kandas, the nature of them is impermanent. This body is constantly giving us trouble, aches and pains, illnesses, hot and cold. Many people would like to ordain as monks, but they can't because they're too ill or they have some disability. Or they become monks, but then they can't stay as a monk because of some illness, accident, disability. <clears throat> Just coming to offer Dana, people often can't come because they fall ill. All of this puts pressure on our practice you know, the nature of the candas, being uncertain, changing. It's hard to maintain mindfulness, hard to remember the Dhamma and contemplate the Dhamma when you've got a body that's not, not doing what you want. Kilesa Mara, the Kilesas themselves, like these negative energies constantly taking over the mind, they arise through their causes and conditions, but when they come up, they're very powerful and they seem very real with a sense of self. When anger arises, it's like some kind of foreign alien force takes over this mind and makes us think a certain way, speak a certain way, act in a certain way. Sometimes it's a big battle just to restrain that. Often it comes up frequently, frequent greed or lust, frequent anger, frequent delusions. Constantly obstructing the arising of the Dhamma, arising of clarity, wholesome Dhammas. And Sankara Mara, just the nature of Sankara's proliferation, is constantly changing, arising, passing away. Unreliable, constantly leading on, leading more craving and attachment to arise conditioning process on and on and on and on matumara one day we're going to die our chance to practice will be gone sometimes monks die in the, the roads, maybe just ordained a few years and already have an accident or get a serious illness they're gone chance to practice is gone probably all of us know have heard of or No monks who have passed away, and often not that old either. When I first ordained first year as a monk, the monk sitting next to me died of cerebral malaria. One day he's there, next day he's gone. Very unfortunate. This is Machumara, very uncertain. Our karma and life, what it brings us. These are all the obstacles that are surrounding us. So we have to have this effort, the persistent effort to raise awareness, bring it up and confront the obstacles, go through them with patience, with diligence, with wisdom. (coughs) Constantly reflecting back on our own experience of this body and mind, using the Dhamma we've heard comparing our experience and then actually seeing the Dhamma for ourselves. Constantly reflecting, you know, how the conditioning process keeps bringing up the perceptions, the attachments, and this sense of making what is unreal, real. the, The nature of delusion is that we create this reality of the world, Samuti Satcha, in a conventional reality that we're constantly dropping into with our thinking and our belief system, our viewing, the way we view our attitudes, the way we relate to the world, is on this superficial level of names, language, labels that we put on to experience the perception of self, even as a bhikkhu. I am a bhikkhu, I'm a good bhikkhu, a bad bhikkhu, young bhikkhu, an old bhikkhu, this way, that way. All our preferences and attachments feed this superficial reality. And that can be a great cause of suffering. We identify with things, the things we like, we identify in one way, This is good for me, I like this. The things we don't like, we identify in a different way. This is bad for me, I don't like this. Never seeing beyond that. The one who's going to see the Dhamma, go beyond the world, go beyond this superficial reality, they have to really break through it, through using mindfulness and wisdom, ready to investigate, calm the mind down enough, Get enough clarity and sustained mindfulness and then really investigating and labels are just labels the preferences we have built on perceptions, memories, past experiences and so on, but they're still just superficial reality this is good, this is bad I like this, I don't like that (coughs) this is where the process of proliferation is sort of constantly fed. Ajahn Cha used to talk about this in so many different ways, how to you know, question the superficial appearance of things, talk about teachers like Ajahn Tongrat, who's famous for seemingly being a bit eccentric, even though he's in a fully enlightened Arahant, they say. He's very good at getting people to see through the superficial reality of experience. There's a famous story of him on Bindabhata with a couple of other bhikkhus. (coughs) And up ahead was a cow. And he said, as he walked past, he said to the other monk, Did you see that female cow? And it was a male cow, according to conventional reality. had all the characteristics of a male. But it, he said, you see the female cow. And the monk said, I saw the cow. But he, in his mind, certainly it was a male cow. So he said, it was a male cow. As anyone would answer, just on that conventional level. And Ajahn Thang, was very firm said, no, it's a female cow. So the young monk is very confused at first because this is his teacher who he respects, listens to. He's sure his teacher is deluded calling it a female cow. It's a male cow, Venerable Sir. So Ajahn Tongrat said, well, who calls it male or female? pulling the question back to the monk to look deeper at the proliferation of the mind and the creation of samutisatcha, the, the supposition, the assumed reality, giving a label, a name to that form as male or female. Sometimes this is what we have to do. Seems a little bit strange in the world to question the way the mind thinks and looks at things. But if we're going to uproot attachment, we have to look a little bit more deeply like that. <clears throat> the perception of self, this body as being me, mine, myself, my belongings, my things, then the mental reality, my thoughts, my feelings. Soon as the sense of my comes up and the labelling, this is me, my, myself, a being, a person, then the causes for dukkha start to fall into place. When it's just a body, just feelings, just a thought, stripping the experience down to its bare physical and mental elements through the power of mindfulness and investigation, then we start to calm down. But obviously we have to develop enough mindfulness to do this and train the mind in investigation. We can all understand it through the books and hearing the talks and reading, but to actually see and know it for ourselves in our heart, that takes a lot more effort. So this is why Ajahn Chah would emphasize over and over again Indriya Samwara, Bhajanema ta, Chakaryana Yoka, just over and over again, bringing up the practice and training of mindfulness, restraint, contentment, <clears throat> and then reflecting, looking more deeply at one's experience. And just look at our views on Dhamma, how they can change over a period of time. Sometimes we believe this is the best way to practice a certain meditation technique, a certain practice we've taken up. And then we use it for a while and afterwards we decide and that didn't work. Or our view on the Dhamma changes. What we see as important, valuable, might change over time as experience. We gain experience then we can change our views on Dhamma. It's not certain Often we practice in line with our attachments. So we have, maybe we have strengths in our character. So some people, some bhikkhus are very restrained around food, and they find it very easy to be very disciplined, just to eat a small amount or a certain amount of food or very simple food. But then they might have other kilesas which they're completely overlooking because they don't focus there because they're not very strong in that area maybe they have need to sleep a lot or talk a lot or have other things that they cling on to they put all their effort in the area of food but they're not looking at these other areas Rather, bhikkhus like to always be on their own and see that's the right way to practice and they can't be happy or peaceful when they're there with other bhikkhus or other people or other bhikkhus always think, find it difficult to be on their own and they need to be around other people. There's many areas where kilesas come up and affect us and often our own views on Dhamma will hide certain kilesas. Maybe we're strong in one area, clear in one area, fuzzy and deluded in another or uncertain in another which just not aware at all of other kilesas. So we have to keep practicing and keep learning from our experience, <clears throat> looking back literally at what's happening to the mind day by day, moment by moment. Where are kilesas coming up and what do they do to the mind? How, How they disturb the mind? What does greed do to the mind? Last, do to the mind? What does anger do to the mind? And the more we look at that more closely, then the more we can start to get a grip with it, start to train in what we need to develop to bring up to overcome these kilesas, develop more mindfulness around a certain kilesa that we've identified as a problem bring up more reflections that counter it. All the time our practice is aimed towards developing the, the peace and then the, the wisdom that really undermines kilesa So maybe little by little we can see maybe we're getting more comfortable with the practice, more comfortable in the robes, more comfortable in the Vinaya, more comfortable with the Dhamma of the Buddha, rather than seeking our comfort and our happiness in the way of the world, which is so much more unreliable. So we're in the Pansa. We've come in one month now. Maybe it's a time just to think, what more can I do, or what do I need to adjust in my practice? that which was good, we can be. We could acknowledge, maybe even we can uh, recognise the good that we've done in certain areas. If something's still lacking or needs improvement, then be clear with that as well. Maybe you have to arouse more determination with certain areas of our practice. So we have... Uh, Ati later, we can practice uh, some meditation for now till we hear the bell.